Hey, 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 good morning, afternoon, or evening, good people, wherever you are, wherever you happen to be, and however we're together. Thanks for being here. I'm Dave, and for the last time in season four, this is Dave's Head. So what's in my head? You know, as we get older in life and time passes, older loved ones get older and pass on. It's the way that life is supposed to work. There's that saying that goes back, I don't know how long, but parents shouldn't bury their children. It should be the other way around. And we use that saying whenever we see a tragic loss of a young life. But the flip side of that is when we have older ones that we love who pass on, it's still hard regardless of how long their lives were. Over the past weekend, Mrs. Carter, first lady of Jimmy Carter, former president, passed away at the age of 96 years young. Her legacy is one of a first lady that worked tirelessly on behalf of mental health, professionalized the role of a president's spouse, but she died after a battle with dementia. It was first diagnosed in May and she was put in hospice care or began hospice care, I should say, back in February. Now, she had been through a number of hospital stays. Um, I believe she even had a fall or it might have been Jimmy that had a fall and she just had hospital stays. I'm not really sure. But I do remember there being a history periodically bubbled up in the media about her condition or former president's condition. But. Her and Jimmy were married for 77 years. I'll say that again, 77 years. We can't even get 77 minutes with some of these relationships today, but 77 years they were married. Jimmy is quoted as saying, and I love this, Jimmy is quoted as talking about the longevity of his marriage. He said, first of all, it's best to choose the right woman. Can't disagree with you there. Which I did. And secondly, we give each other space to do our own things. If you know about the Jimmy Carter Foundation and a lot of Habitat of Humanity stuff that they did, um, traveling to different countries and trying to get rid of uh, some of the um, nagging is a poor choice of word, but some of the nagging viruses and diseases that were plaguing some of the smaller third world, quote unquote, third world countries. There's a ton of work that they they've done the legacy that she's going to leave. And to be frank, you know, he's suffering, suffering his own battles. And it's one of those things where it's spoken about in some circles is not spoken about in others, but Jimmy may find himself also taking that same path to the end of his chapter in his book in the near or distant future. He's been going for a long time. And she was alive for a long time as well. But to circle back as our older relatives get older and we have to make these plans, we have to come together as a family. We have to battle some of the things that we battle to get them through the end stages of life. It's not easy. I have a mentor right now, Mrs. Walls that I met back in high school, my freshman year. 
I was going through a period in life where I was forced to grow up and be a man a lot earlier than I should have. And I was in a fork in the road and I credit her tremendously with it, with me being here, not in jail and not dead at this stage in time. I credit her tremendously with that. She changed my life. She's been battling breast cancer for over 10 years and is around the same age, 96, 97, that Mrs. Carter was. But she's also now in hospice care. She's been there for a couple months now. And very similar to the situation that I endured and experienced last year with my uncle with his end-stage cancer, I'm now in the same position to witness this slow progression of end stage with the woman I call my second mother. And so as we come to these holiday seasons, death and remembering our loved ones is always tough as it is. But we have to try to find some solace, especially when it's someone who's lived a long, long life, almost a century. Think about that. A hundred years. Those who are fortunate enough, or some may say unfortunate, but those who are fortunate enough to live almost a century have forgotten more than most people on this planet forget in a single day. My memory's not the best. We don't have to talk about that. But to reach the 90s, to reach the upper 90s, and to come close to 100 is a remarkable feat. I think I talked about last episode that majority of those who are in the Century Club are women. Now, we can have debates about why that is. But one thing we cannot deny is that there's some, whether it be genetic or lifestyle, choices that were made that enabled or allowed those who reach a Century Club or even close, or frankly, just to pass the life expectancy bar that's in the 70s, that's allowed them to surpass that. And although it's hard and difficult to get to that stage in life where we're losing those who we love at that age, let's not forget to commend them for enduring this terrible world at times for all those years. Standing tall many times in their principles, giving back to so many. In the case of my mentor, she's the reason, along with another mentor I had, was introduced to by her during that same time period. It's why I'm passionate about giving back to the youth, putting that one person in front of them that can change their life. And so as our older ones, older loved ones, I should say not older ones, but older loved ones get up there in age, let's make sure that we take care of them, be there for them, usher them into the final pages and the final sentences of their final chapter with dignity, love, patience. And so for Mrs. Carter, job well done, rest peacefully. The next thing that's on my mind are positive organizations. I'm a proud, proud member of Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated, as I've said many, many times throughout these four seasons of Dave's Head Podcast. This past weekend, 
I got to partake in a weekend full of events in northern New Jersey. Board meeting took place for the Eastern Region on Saturday morning and Saturday evening. Over 600 people gathered the celebrated chapter, Chi Sigma chapter of northern New Jersey, celebrating again a centennial. Again, theme, think about it, 100 years of brotherhood scholarship and service to the community that Chi Sigma serves. An amazing time. Dignitaries, of course, new and old friends, of course. And I got to sneak up there Friday with my girl to go to one of our favorite restaurants and partake in some very, very filling eating. And also have a great time at the gala before coming back home and resting yesterday. If 100 years seems like repetitive conversation to you, it's because I want to emphasize the importance of doing something, doing it well, and doing it for a long time. 100 years of servicing a community is no easy feat. You have to repeat your success through generations, through changing technologies, through different laws, regulations, environments, people, communities, war, peace, and so much more. Poverty, famine, inflation, so many things that we're going through and we have gone through. Civil rest, civil unrest, I should say, civil rights causes and fights. But 100 years, that chapter in the greatest fraternity in the land has done amazing work and will continue to for another 100 years. And so celebrations and congratulations to Chi Sigma of the Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated. What's in my head is brought to you in part by Digga Movers, your safe and swift moving company. An A-plus rated one-stop shop licensed and insured moving company. Providing local and long distance services on the move. For more information, visit their website at www.diggamovers.com or call 1-888-77-DIGGAM. That's 1-888-773-4436. The last thing that's on my mind is something near and dear. I've talked about my mentor. I've talked about paying it forward. I've talked about giving back and mentoring and all those things. A century of service from one of the biggest and oldest chapters in my fraternity. But around this time of the holiday, we're reminded often that while we are fortunate, lucky, privileged, even some of us to have the very ability to sit down and have a meal with family or friends. There are many people in this world who don't have that ability, that luxury, that fortune to do so. One of the beautiful things about the relationship that I'm in is that my girlfriend and I, while we're no, by no means rich or wealthy, we are financially capable of doing the things that we want to do. And so this year we took on a difficult task for me of not <laughs> purchasing a ton of gifts for each other for Christmas, but instead the evil task of limiting to one gift with a maximum value of $25. If that sounds 
easy to you. For someone like me, it's not. I'm working on it. I have an idea what I'm going to get. I think I, I think I'll do okay. But that's not the point of this final thought that's in my head. It's about paying it forward. And so one of the other things we decided to do in lieu of, again, multiple gifts for each other for Christmas is to adopt a family. Now, there's so many ways to adopt a family. We're leaning towards a substance over something flashy. Gift cards, while they can be used, they can also, depending on unless you have direct contact with the family, might not get to the family. Food absolutely can help a family for a night, for a couple days, leftovers, etc. Clothes, technology, school supplies. Those things we've decided to contribute to a family, one or all of the above, depending on the family needs. But in lieu of getting things we don't need or getting things that are temporary that we won't have a need for in a week or a month, we've decided to adopt a family. I'm not saying that for a pat on the back. I'm not saying that for a look at us. I'm saying that because if you have the opportunity financially to do so, my very simple ask is that you do. 16 episodes in, I have not made an ask of this audience at all. And so my ask this holiday season, as we wrap up season four and enter the final month of the year that I never do an episode because it's my birthday month, the best birthday month of the year. A simple ask. If you don't have a need and you don't really have that many wants because we all want something, trust me, that you take any extra resources or resources you might have committed to a want or a small need and contributed back to society in a form of adopting a family, adopting a child, adopting a cause to make someone's day, week, month, or maybe even a year. You never know. But take the time to pay it forward. Give back. There's so many organizations, and I'm not going to recommend any one particular because, again, it's what you can do. It's what's needed for those you want to support, and it's your choice of how you want to support. But there's so many organizations out there who have either programs in place or know of families in need. And so the simple ask, and for the last time in 2023, season four, what's in my head is paying it forward. And my ask is that you try to do so. That's what's in my head. So in broker.com has an article 106 must know startup statistics for 2023, where they go over 106 things that I'm not going to do in 12 sections. I will touch on 11 of the things I found kind of interesting to talk about. Uh, the first one, only two in five startups are profitable. Wow. 40%. And other startups will break even one in three or continue to lose money. Another one in three. Second thing, a study shows that a 60-year-old is three times as likely to build a successful startup than a 30-year-old in 2023. Now, as somebody halfway in between that, I attribute that to experience, kind of knowing what you want to do. As a 30-year-old, I promise you I was not ready to do a startup. Number three, 41.5% of all entrepreneurs are women. 
while 58.5% are men. I suspect that number has increased over the last decade or two. Number four, it only takes six days to start a business in the United States. Meaning by the time Thanksgiving break starts to the time it ends, you probably could start your own business. Number five, one in three begin their small businesses with less than $5,000. Doesn't take a lot to start a business. If you have an idea, run with it. Number six, about 90% of startups fail. So that $5,000 may go to waste. You never know, but give it a chance, right? 10% of startups will fail within the first year. So think about that. 90% total fail, but 10% fail in the first year. Number seven, in 2023, 82% of businesses that went under did so because of cash flow problems. So yes, you can start a business with $5,000. Yes, you can do so within six days, but cash flow is important. You have to be able to sustain your business and grow it. Number eight, over 99% of U.S. businesses are considered small. I kind of think they should recategorize these things, but which equates to less than 500 employees. So my personal opinion, small business, less than 500, I get it. Let's kind of make small, extra small, extra, extra small. Might have different, you know, tax implications, benefits, those types of things. You bucking them all into one thing, 99% just seems a little unfair. Maybe it's me. Number nine, experience alone, this is a quote, experience alone does not make a team successful. Soft skills such as entrepreneurial passion and share strategic, uh, excuse me, share strategic vision, say that three times, are required as well. Now, why did I pull this quote up? Because I have 20 plus years experience in IT. I have a ton of experience doing radio broadcasting. I have tons and tons of experience playing football, but that's not what makes me successful. Passion for it, entrepreneurial passion, specifically share strategic vision, meaning we want to go in the same direction. We're trying to do the same things and accomplish the same goals. Number 10, the average age of a tech startup founder is 45, a low 45. Tech-based wage growth was higher than the U.S. overall average wage growth at 60.9%. Tech is where it's at. I put that in there just because of me. I'm a tech guy. And the last one. Here's another quote. To solve problems across various startup industries, new technology will be implemented. Hello, AI. Welcome to the party. But we're talking about entrepreneurs and all that stuff because I'm going to bring in my guest for this episode, Dave Van Beekham. A little bit about him. He is the co-founder and creator of Tweva, and I hope I got that pronunciation right. That's one thing I forgot to ask before we started recording. We'll find out. The world's first social TV network for small businesses and influencers. He's a digital marketing guru, startup enthusiast, and tech expert. Right up my alley. Welcome to Dave's Head, Dave, and also has the best name in the business, by the way. Welcome to Dave's Head, Dave. How's it going? Hey, hey, it's going great. It's a, it's a great name, and uh, I actually have three Daves in... Well, my wife, uh, you know, married a Dave. Her brother is David, and the father is David. So uh, it's it's it's. Uh, I, I'm actually David most of the times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Me too. No, nobody calls me David except my mother. But yeah, yeah, I get yeah, exactly. And it's legal. So name. I think. Yeah. So I think we should end the show there because we've proven that Davids are successful and the greatest name in history. So thanks everybody. But. Um, <laughs> No, I uh, I gave uh, a short intro about you, but I never do it justice. So I like to have my guests introduce themselves. So take a moment, tell the people who you are and what you do and what you're about. Yeah, so um, I was going to say that uh, I was going to correct that name, Tweeva. It's actually, a, we pronounce it Tweeva. It's more like the TV and Tweeva. Um, but uh, I'm Dave Van Beek. I'm the co-founder and creator of Tweeva. Uh, so kind of 
started way back when, uh, when I was younger in the tech field, um, loved audio broadcast on video uh, and computers back in the days of the 286, um, and kind of grown my business uh, in web design and then databases, and then eventually figured I wanted to build something with other people and partner with other people. So spent a couple of years uh, in building a 190 table database and website for distributors, uh, patented that one. And then out of that project came Tweeva. So we've kind of, kind of gone from uh, growing up with tech to finally partnering and building a startup. Um, and I love what I do. I love computers and tech. Okay. So first of all, uh, you're, you're speaking my language, talking about databases, 190 tables, which I think used to be a ton. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, used the, to the be, size yeah. of data now. Yeah. The size of data now. And I'm, I'm curious, which database did you start with? Uh, SQL, my SQL. Okay. Okay. So V yeah. so SQL six around that. Yeah, time? probably back then. Yeah. Okay. So I am a, a BI, SQL, Oracle, Sybase, which we don't talk about Sybase much, but uh, I, I go way back to Sybase 12, 11, I think it was way back then. Um, a horrible database. We're not going to talk about that. But um, so I, I want to shift from where I was going. I had a whole series of questions lined up, but then you mentioned databases and now my mind's on databases. So for the, the techies out there, um, before we get into Tweeva and all that with the small business, let's talk about how data has shifted over the years. Um, so talking about VB6, talking about Oracle, talking about now to the cloud with Azure and AWS, where do we go next? Um, we have data lakes. We have all these, these, these massive data warehouses now. Where do you think data is going next? Ooh, I, I don't, I can't pay attention that much in just the data. I, I don't know. I think the cloud was... Um, where we really needed to go. I worked a lot in the very beginning was, you know, having two redundant servers and dealing with, you know, making sure we have backup copies during the day. And then I thought it was funny then when we went to the cloud, because I figured cloud is not new. It was a new word, a buzzword that they used for yeah. Wall Street. You know, it's like, it's a dedicated server, you know, it's sitting somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, but where do we go from here? I don't know. Uh, maybe a less structured approach, uh, like the... Um, no SQL type of databases. I could see them be useful in both sides, but I don't have that much experience in, uh, in that side, but it looks like storing them in pockets or nodes could be beneficial. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm not sure you, you'd probably be better at uh, answering that one. Yeah, no, I can respect that answer. It was, it was more so I got geeked out for a second and I apologize for my audience for getting geeked out for a second. Cause you mentioned databases, but, um, no, I, you know, coupling with AI, we're gonna talk about AI in a little bit, but um, looking at AI and big data and cloud storage, you know, the next thing is, to me is just, you know, I know there's been talk about uh, liquid based storage and the capacities for those and the speed of that, which I, that's some Star Trek type of stuff, which I love, by the way, but it's Star Trek type stuff. Um, so that's, that's kind of where I see it going between AI and liquid core. If you go, if you uh, remember a movie called, uh, it's not Swordfish, it's the other one, um, where there's a twin brother, one gets killed. Um, and they're trying to get him, the other twin who survives, who's not in the military at all, but trying to get him to put in his voice verification to unlock this computer system. Um, and the computer system is AI, but I can't remember the name of the movie. Maybe I'll, I'll think of it by the end. Um, mm -hmm. But that was based on infrared and liquid cooling and all that stuff, um, which 
you know, there's a lot of that stuff going on today. Let's shift back and get out of my geekdom. Um, and what I want to start with is talk about small businesses um, and how the path to starting successful. And I, I mentioned a bunch of things in the lead in, but how the path to starting a successful one has changed over the years and speak about your small business. Yeah. So we learned a couple of problems along the way as we developed an idea, right? So specifically, well, both of those, the, the one that we worked on first with the distributors and then Tweeva, we had built the, the projects out with, we couldn't find this specific thing in the marketplace. So we said, okay, let's go build it. Let's spend time. Let's develop, let's search through patents and see if we can find it. And, uh, that that's a good way to go about things. You know, you have an idea, you try to figure out if this is a viable solution, you build out a little, uh, a business plan, but it's not necessarily the way that business works today, especially in the funding world. So maybe 10, 15 years ago, you can come up with an idea and you can bring it to market and people will trust it because it's, it's brand new and, and you might be the only one. But once we went to venture capital, uh, it was more about traction. It was more about um, the audience that you have, because a lot of people can build a really great piece of software today. And, and it's, it's a, like a lot more. We think, oh, Facebook, you know, he did it in his college mm -hmm. dorm and he's building yeah. out a piece of software. Yeah, but how many other people were doing that, right? It was a much, it wasn't millions of people. Now we have laptops that last 20 hours a day and people are coding a lot more than they used to. So is it really rare to have a great piece of software or something that five people developed for the past six months? It's not as rare as it was. So the business minds, the great minds who control capital in the marketplace are really looking and saying, okay, well, is this um, a product that has been market tested? Have you thrown 500 people at that green button at the top left-hand corner of screen seven and seen if they pressed subscribe? Because if they haven't, you don't really understand your customer. So I think a lot of us growing up, like you said, you know, you get to that 45, 50, and the most successful was what, more in the 60s? Was that what you said? Or more in the mid-45s? Yeah, 60s are, are likely to have more success in 30s, but 45 is yeah. where it started. Yeah. And I could see exactly why. is because you've had a, a few failures, a few successes, and now you've built out your network a lot more than when you were 30. You know, maybe at 30, you were drinking with your friends five years ago or eight years ago. And when you're 60, you've had the drinks with maybe some executives saying, hey, you know, I have this group of people over here or I have a failed startup with 5,000 emails over here. I think we can build something successful. So I think what has happened in the startup world, at least, is it's really shifted from, okay, great, you have good tech, but do you have an audience also? And they don't want to risk you spending, you know, that, that tech uh, budget on a marketing because we still don't know if that's a, 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 mar a market fit, I would say. Uh, but that's what I've seen changes. And um, in the startup world, what we're supposed to be doing is as we develop and build, we have to be testing it on those new customers or even just free beta users um, instead of just saying, hey, I'm going to develop these 10 features and I hope or I think that customers will absolutely love it. And then we get stuck in these development loops of, oh, okay, well, it'll take three more months to develop this. Oh, it'll take two more months after the three months to develop this. And all of a sudden, you could have a competitor out there. So it's really important to build that traction first 
um, in, in the startup world. So you, you mentioned marketing uh, a couple of times, and I'm curious, all the different aspects of a startup, you know, technology, the idea itself, and we'll talk about that in a little bit too. Where do you rank marketing in, you know, if you have to rank the top three things that makes a successful small business, where do you rank marketing in the top three? Or is it in the top three at all? Yeah, I would definitely put it in the top three. It depends on what kind of business you're doing. Like if you're, if you're building something from scratch, obviously that first piece is going to be your product. But if you're reselling someone else, this is going to be marketing. You have to get that name out there. You have to get your brand out there um, because you're not going to keep every customer. You know, in the beginning, when you're formulating a business, oh, well, you know, a thousand people will use this. Um, what, what's, your, what's your rate of cancellations? You know, what's your turnover rate of uh, every three months a customer leaves or 3% or 10% or 20%. And so you constantly have to be marketing and figuring out what's changing uh, in the marketplace to acquire that customer. It, with TikTok, you can advertise uh, 15 different videos or 20 different videos and some will work this month and some won't work next month. It just, everything is changing all the time. So marketing is extremely important, I think in all small businesses. And it's something that the small businesses, I think it not, I'm not talking 500 people, but you know, the one to 10 in the very small side, they don't understand it so much. You have your small little networks and you can do a lot of business, but marketing really grows your small business to that. I would call it medium size, you know, up to your 20 to 50 uh, employees. Gotcha. Now, do you, just a follow up, do you, so if you have an event, you might price this person costs this amount of money. And so if you have advertisers, you have sponsors, you have all those things, they drive the price per person down. Do you do that in a small business? This is what it takes per user, per subscriber for me to run my business. And here's where my margin is. How does that actually work? In, in, if you're on a scalable product, you're trying to bring your costs down for acquiring that customer and then keeping that customer. So, you're obviously always looking at your competition saying, okay, well, if we can create these amount of features for my MVP, uh, can I keep this customer at this price? If it's a hundred dollars a month, can I keep him at this price? Um, to create those different levels in there, you want to give a little bit of space so that they can grow. Uh, hey, you know, I, I'm looking for these features instead of going um, to another competitor, I can take that step up to 150 or 200 or $500 a month. Um, but it's very important to calculate those forward with scale. Because if you think about servers, technology, uh, having people on staff to answer phone calls, if you're looking to try to drive a thousand customers to your business, what happens when it's 5,000, right? Or mm -hmm. I mean, I know we can all handle the first hundred, but when you scale out, that has to be built out. Uh, what's the profit? How many servers are we gonna need? What kind of downtime when we do change things? what your dis disaster recovery, a lot of these things we don't look at, but it's incredibly important, especially at the VC level, when you're trying to mm -hmm. really grow to the next level, these are things that are talked about and very important for, for small businesses and the medium-sized businesses. Gotcha. One thing that popped in my head while you're talking is the idea of the 1999 versus $20 product. And when it comes to marketing, right? 1999 just looks, feels, smells, tastes better, but $20 feels so oppressive. Um, what's your experience around that type of marketing where you're, you're trying to price something to get people, even though, you know, that one more penny, you probably could use it, 
but it would turn people off. It's always about that customer acquisition. So if it's a penny less, if it's $5 less, take a feature out or give it to them a, um, you know, a limited time, try this for $14.99 and get them in the door. And then you have to work on that onboarding process to educate the customer. You know, unfortunately with Tweeva, it's a, it's a new product and a new, it's a new idea. So I always complain about it's a, it's knowledge. There's literally like a, a block to people don't understand what TV, social TV is. So it's more important about getting the person in and educating them on your time with videos and landing pages and extra tutorials and webinars than to worry about a penny here or there. It's, it's really more important to get that person in the door and working with you, even if it's semi close to free, because you're looking to convert him. And then also who, who else does he know? So shifting a little bit, I want to talk about patents. Um, to me, the, the idea is the, the core of the business, right? It's, it's the reason you're even trying to start it. Um, if you, my sister, little side bar here, my sister sends me every once in a while a text or, or Instagram or something with some idea that she swears she came up with this idea of 1472 from 10 years ago. Um, and she'll, she'll just change a random number. It's just something she does. But <laughs> speaking about patents, um, when should I think that my idea is worthy of a patent? And should I spend money on a patent for my small business? So patents are, well, they've changed in the past couple of years. It might've been more than a couple of years, maybe five or six years ago, uh, from your idea to first to file. So it used to be whoever came up with the idea first and did that specific idea. Now they said, you know what? There's so much fighting with that. Hey, I came up with the idea first. You know, I, I came up with it, prove it right now. We got to go to some sort of uh, mediation to figure out who did it. They just said, look, okay. Mm -hmm. It's whoever files the, the idea first. So it's changed now to, to have a time limit on it. So you can't have your product out there for, I believe it's more than two years, might even be one year publicly. So you have to think about your idea, write it down. And within one year of exposing it publicly, you have to file because otherwise it's public domain. So this really hurts a lot of people that don't understand that the, the patent rules, the USPTO rules, because you ever think, oh, you know, I had this idea. I made a little website about it. Okay. Well, you made a website about it. If I can go find it on Wayback Machine, mm -hmm. it's gone. Can't really patent it anymore. You, you could. But if you get sued one day and they look on there, the other, the other uh, attorney would say, oh, look, you know, this was public information. That's probably why my customer found similar idea to it. And you could use that in court of law. Um, so this is good and bad. It's good because you could be in competition with someone, but they haven't filed yet. And you could then go and file it. The, the problem with it is you don't know if they did because there is a specific time to wait to have that patent approved. And the majority of that time, it's in the dark. So if you file, let's say today, it's, uh, let's say, a provisional patent, uh, which means it can be changed on that one-year or two-year mark. You don't know anything about anyone else filing at the same time you do. It just goes into a, a holding queue. And then within a year or two, whenever the, the patent office says, okay, you're up, you have to now say, okay, this is exactly what the claims were. This is, this is what I want to patent. And, and now he has to go do a search. They have to go do their search. 
And you don't know if at the same time or within a week or a week after somebody went in and filed something similar to you. So it's still a, a gray area, but if you want protection for 20 years on your idea, plus plus, um, I, would, I would say it's a really great thing to have because your competition can't infringe on certain aspects that you have patented, but it has to be a specific process. Um, and that goes into a little bit longer of a discussion of what can be patented and what can't be patented, but it has to be something new, has to be something novel compared to what's out there already. Yeah. So real quick, what's the difference between a patent and a trademark? Um, a patent is on like a process. So a patent might say that I have created a lawn cutting blade with three blades on it. And a trademark would be John Deere, hmm. right? So the patent is protecting a piece of technology or a process. I cut it at a certain degree angle that saves grass and the trademark protects your name. So let's say John Deere tractor, right? So that would be a trademark. So nobody else can use John Deere on a lawn cutting tractor. Um, trademarks are funny though. It's because it's per industry. So you know how you have Delta Airlines mm -hmm. and you have Delta faucets, but you just say Delta, right? Oh, it's yeah. Delta Air or it's, oh, I got a Delta faucet. Their names are still just Delta or they're very close to it, but they can be, they can be trademarked in different industries. Mm -hmm. So we have one, let's say in advertising and marketing and t-shirts and clothing. Uh, but if somebody wanted to possibly make Tweeva Airlines, I guess they could, you know, but it would be a, a little hard to understand or there have to be a branding uh, problem. But yeah. the patenting is on a process. So if you created a special way of doing something, um, let's say a 5G antenna is patented by somebody saying, hey, these waves travel at this wavelength and they can go through this kind of material, but not this kind of material, that's patented by a company. I, I never knew the trademark thing. Um... So one of the things um, I wanted to talk about with you is something um, that was mentioned in um, the, the submission for this podcast was the network effect, um, harnessing the power of becoming an expert in your industry. Um, I'm big on networking, expanding my network, big circles, more industries, because you never know, reaching into technology, coming back out. And if I could pause for a second, um, I geeked out about five minutes ago when you mentioned the Wayback Machine. Um, mm -hmm. Because I remember back in early 2000s, maybe late 90s, um, the Wayback website, which I don't know if it still exists. I haven't checked in a long time, um, but you could it does. go. It's still there. In, it does. Still, okay. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. So you literally put in, put in a URL and you can look at the history of that website. I will tell you, I restored clients' web pages way back then. This is HTML and ASP. Uh, well, not ASP, but HTML. Um, because of the Wayback machine, you could just download it or pull it down. Um, mm -hmm. so yeah, I geeked out a little bit when you said that, but I couldn't jump in, in the middle of your, uh, your <laughs> um, but talk about the network effect, um, harnessing the power of becoming an expert in your industry. What does that mean? And what type of power are we talking about here? So when you think about the TV world specifically, we came up with becoming a community expert in the form of you're watching TV right now and you may see a doctor or a lawyer, most likely a lawyer, right? You're going to see a lawyer. He's going to be covering a huge city somewhere. 
Um, you don't really see local contractors. You might once in a while see a plumber. You don't really see um, a restaurant, right? You don't see a chiropractor get on there majority of the time, maybe on some of these deeper cable channels. But these bigger lawyers, they are in a form an expert at what they do. You see them, you see them over and over and over again. And you just say, oh, you know, he's the guy that would protect me in a car crash. You know, if, if I ever had a problem, I'd call him. The jingles are so stuck said, in okay. my head. Yeah, yeah. And so you, don't, you haven't met him. You haven't talked to him. You haven't shook his hand. But you would call and trust. He is the expert. He's shown you um, testimonials. He showed you his degree. You've seen his office. You understand who he is. There's not really... You know, in, in your brain, you're not like, well, should I trust this guy? I'll check his five-star ratings, right? But is there a possibility that we can do this with a small business down to just his city? Because most of the time, we live in cities that are big enough for us. Like, my, I'm in a small city. It's got 55,000 people. Could I really handle 5,000 clients? Like, you know, 10%, okay, 2,500 clients. Could I even... If you were in the web design world, that's a lot of people. And so what's the problem then? Is it that we're not branded as a community expert or that we're branded and we're not good? Most of the time, it's that we're not branded as that expert. So using the Tweeva TV network, if you could go to your pizza place and you could go to your doctor's office and the hair cuttery and add business, add uh, videos of you talking about what you do and becoming that type of lawyer, right? Here's my commercial. I want to show this around. You become a community expert because you're building now content, right? You, if you had a podcast or a video cast or um, little clips that you could add to TVs around, people would see you. They would understand what you do. And it's not like that old form of commercials remember in the like 80s and 90s they would stand there with like the superman pose and i'm the best plumber in the world call me like let's mm -hmm. let's take this back to a little bit more of tiktok youtube tutorial do it yourself slash this old house right so how many people watch this old house like there's four the two guys or four guys on there now and and everybody oh i love this old house they restore this uh fence over here or they're replacing the plumbing or they're changing a toilet. Okay, that's awesome. Where's the guy in my town? Where is he? Because he has a 4K camera in his pocket. What if he could create, whenever he works, a little video of them restoring a porch or a, a toilet or a faucet or a sink? And if they added that type of content to TVs around at the local bars and the, and the businesses, and at the end, they'd say, hey, this is how to do this. Okay, well, maybe 10% of the people would say, okay, great. You, you told me how to put my sink in. I'll do it. It's a lot of work, right? But it would brand them as the expert. So how can they do that right now? Can they? Well, I guess. Maybe 30 seconds. A TV commercial might sell you, hey, we got 30 seconds. Uh, once a day, it's 10 grand. No, no small businesses are going to do that. So could we create as Tweeva a way where you could walk up to a TV and say, I'll put two bucks on that one Friday night. Eh, I'll bid 10 cents a commercial. Eh, probably won't even use up the two bucks. Uh, you know, I'll put 50 bucks for the month and see what happens. Now, 
everybody's seeing what you do as a contractor or as a uh, chiropractor, right? And it's not cracking somebody's neck or doing, it's, hey, you know, when you sit in your car, you know, here, I'm the chiropractor of my town, but when you sit in your car, don't lean sideways and creak your neck sideways. Because if you do that for 45 minutes every, every day, going back and forth to work, you're probably going to have back pain. So remember, when you're sitting, sit this way, 10 and 2, 10 and 2. And you'll, oh, that's funny. That's the 10 and 2 guy, right? But it brands a little bit more than when am I going to look that up, right? When am I going to look up um, chiropractor driving in the car sideways? And so it's, that's why it's this little bit of, it's a TikTok short video, but it's not that short. It's a YouTube kind of video. It's educational, but it's not that long. It's, it lives somewhere between short form and long form. And it has to be fun to watch when there's football on and maybe another type of video, but then also for other people, it's like, Hey, what, what is that? And eventually it will be branded as that's the local people. Anybody that's local here. Oh, there's a bakery here too. Look at that. She's making brownies and chocolate cake and I might stop by for Christmas cake. So that all, that all flows into the idea of becoming that community expert. And there always are a few of those experts in each town, but all of the startups that are starting have such a, it's rough to, to, to build any kind of network, but if this could help them at least with the TV aspect first, um, it would help them become a community expert. Gotcha. So, so a couple of things, um, what, what popped into my head was, uh, you go to a gas station, you see a little TV there while you're filling up and it flashed something that you probably don't pay attention to. Usually it's a news flash. Yes. Um, but every once in a while you get a commercial that has a jingle to it. You might look up and you're like, Oh, I've seen that before. And you go back to your yep. paying attention to when the <laughs> gas pump clicks. Um, but this seems very much more targeted, specific marketing as opposed to just, hey, there's a guy, there's a sensor that tells me there's a guy pumping his gas, we're going to play some random reel type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because we kind of know, I mean, we can use a little bit of AI to say, all right, we have um, somebody's Etsy store or they, somebody wants to start selling baby clothes or there's a gift shop around the corner that sells baby clothes. When are we going to show that? at a coffee shop or at a bar at 2 a.m. I don't know. Where do you think my customer is, right? Coffee shop, coffee shop. Mothers will go to coffee shops, not at eight o'clock in the morning, not at seven o'clock in the morning, not six o'clock in the morning, but they may go out with the carriage and the kids at after, you know, nine o'clock to 11 o'clock. So can we go in and say, all right, between those two times, I'll pay 10 cents a commercial. So what's your marketing budget for that? 20 bucks, 30 bucks. And so it really brings down the cost of TV advertising for that little uh, shop right around the corner, which we may or may not understand. But if they just opened up seeing constant commercials about, you know, this or that, you can test it too. Think about that, right? So it's not like you're giving the TV, TV channel, okay, play this 10 million times, hope it'll, hope it'll work for 10 grand. It's saying, hey, just show this about a hundred times and see if we can get anybody to walk in. Um, so yes, you could become very targeted, but also the split testing piece of it is huge because you have different audiences at different times. You have different audiences in different locations, um, but it's just very inexpensive to test. 
And when you have, you know, when you're a small business, and I know I talked about uh, less than 500, I really think they should bucket that differently um, because you have yeah, a lot of they, I think so tens, too. a lot of less than fives. Um, yeah. So, but when you have a budget that's, you know, the 500 has a different budget than the tens. And so mm-hmm. when you have that really, really small budget, something like that seems very beneficial to just say, hey, if I get three more, 10 more, 100 more people randomly from this 25, $50, $100 I put out there, that impact is huge and so yeah the roi is huge because you're trying to attract that customer and they're right around the corner so the the, you know i'm not trying to get somebody off the couch to the pizza place i'm trying to get them from their hair cutting session to walk across the street Mm -hmm. right so it's it's a different um value though i guess you could say this is worth more but I don't have necessarily a click. I can't say, oh, this person clicked on the ad. Now they're interested. I have to be able to show some form of, hey, this is showing in this town. And you know, the benefit is that they're already out. So if we can get them up and out and about, we can get them doing business or at least building relationships, which is the most important part in small businesses, getting them out, getting them walking around. Um, if they're sitting at the bar, they're just seeing major sports news. They're not seeing anything about the town. So can we talk about what's happening this weekend? When, is there a band coming into play somewhere? Is there an Irish band or something that's coming to play at one of the events? Or is there a parade on the weekends? How do we get those people to connect with the local town without a huge TV network? Um, and that's what gives also the, the people a little bit of that connection to say, Hey, can I add something to the TV? And they can. So it, it kind of a win-win between the small businesses and uh, the community. Yeah. And if you use this, by the way, give me credit, but it feels like the digital impulse section at a supermarket, right? You don't see Reese's advertising all around the store. You don't see, or cause I can get Reese's whenever I see them, but you don't see them advertised throughout the store. You see them when you go to the owl on the little shelf, when you just happen to look to the right. It's, you know, it's not, you don't see cans of soup in the impulse section. You see candy, you see the things that people impulse gum and those things, you know, that really don't cost that much, which is why they're in the impulse section, but (laughs) they entice people. Sugar is a huge enticement anyway, but they entice people because they're in that area. They're at the store. They haven't been thinking about the the sweets that much, but now there's a bunch of sweets on the left and the right. And so they might just pick a Reese's or might pick a gum or a breath mint or something like that. So yep. digital impulse section. That's- yeah, when we first tested, you know, we had, you know, oh, let's let's uh, call Cisco, you know, with the restaurant, uh, uh, the the partners. We said let's call Cisco and see if they have any videos of the dessert menu. So they sent us back this old. I mean, it must have been two thousand five standard definition of the 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 cream cheese cakes from the, from a manufacturer, you know, because Cisco is a distributor. And so they yeah. sent us over and we just kind of laughed. We go, okay, well, we'll just throw it up there and test it. And so we took out the old music and we just made it quiet. And it was the fork cutting through a piece of chocolate cake and then a strawberry on a vanilla piece. And it just played. And so we checked back about 30 days later. We said, hey, does that, did it work? Did anybody buy more you know, desserts? And they said, oh my word, we had to buy like 35% more desserts than we wow. ever sold before. Um, and I'm like, wait, what? And they said, well, if you think about it, people eat with their eyeballs first, they have to see it. So 
it's very true. It's impulsive, but it also is, hey, I'm out. Um, did I want a piece of chocolate cake last week? Uh, you know, maybe, maybe. And then once you see it again, you're like, okay, I'm here. Let's enjoy that time now. But if you take that to either the nail salon or I'm waiting for my kid to finish karate, I might look at that and say, oh, there's a great little Italian place around the corner. And I really want a piece of that chocolate cake for dessert, right? So it really drives that traffic to instead of me maybe going to a franchise model, which has plenty of advertising, McDonald's, Kentucky Fried, Kentucky Fried Chicken Pizza, they got plenty of money. But the small guy, he's always struggling to compete. So can we help him in the, in the larger view and drive more business and traffic? Yes. And that's a win-win for, for, for everyone in the town. Gotcha. I want to I want to take a step back uh, real quick and, and um, talk about your story. Um, and I know there is a period of time where a co-founder um, passed away, I believe. Correct. And yeah. so can you talk about that journey and getting to this point? And I want to transpose that a little bit and talk about not saying that that's failure, but failure in small business and how you can fail multiple times. You can fail 100 times. But how do you keep the drive determination to get to that point where you're successful? Well, I had a little bit of a struggle there because I had been that behind the scenes tech person for since I was a kid. I, I loved the computer. I loved the undo button. I just, I, I loved te technology, um, but not necessarily being out and talking to people and selling I just liked building. Um, and so I relied many times in whatever I built to that person doing that piece, right? And um, when he passed away and we had to figure out, while that was probably majorly his piece is the marketing and the networking piece. We had to say, okay, well, what's our jobs now? Is it failure? per se, we have a product, we have a patent, we have many things that we've built out ideas, but it's not necessarily failed yet, but it was, oh my word, what do we do? You know, oh, do, how do we do this? Um, and, and there was a, there was a pause. I wouldn't call it a fail for me. I think a lot of people get into that and they go, I can't do it anymore. I've just always been into that realm of like, I just love issues and problems. I figure I can program my way out of it. You can't program your, your way hand, out of your hands on. Yeah. Yeah. So it took me a couple months to figure out, all right, well, do I want to, do I want to be that person? Do I want to talk about it? Do, do I not? Uh, could we find other people to do it? So I went to reps, local reps and I, I, I Hey, you can bring this product to market. And you go through a couple of iterations of, can I do anything but what I didn't want to do? Mm -hmm. And then we went to a business accelerator and, uh, you know, they were, they would bring you on the way to say, Hey, did you get this, uh, you know, I dotted and this T crossed over here. And then when we go to venture capital, they're going to like you. And so one of the things was, okay, who's the guy in charge making the videos? Who's the one on podcasts? Who's the one talking about the product, writing the press releases? And we had to kind of say, well, you know, he's not here anymore. So who's going to be that person? 
And so it was a little bit rough to get to that next point, but you have to push yourself, especially as an entrepreneur and a, and a startup person to take that next step. And it's funny because you get to this realization is like, wow, when you're developing all these things and you're thinking about how this is going to work, that's incredibly important, but also interesting to people who want to hear it. And if you never bring that out, it's more of just sales and marketing, sales and marketing. This is more about the ideas of how it was created. And it, it's, it's incredibly fun to talk about, but also to listen to. But it was definitely a struggle. It was a struggle to get to this point. Um, but that's just in someone passing away. I think people have problems or issues with everything. It could be funding, like that's number one. Yeah. And then it could be anything else than that. Just a, just a follow up, how important is the team you put around you, right? And I know you have, you could have a bunch of guys sitting around having beers. Hey, let's go, let's do this. Oh yeah, let's do that. But it not be cohesive. It, you got two guys working hard and the other three are just kind of dragging ass. How important is the initial idea genesis foundation team that you put together? Well, you'll always iterate a little bit from that. It's very important in the, when you start to, to, to try to raise capital, it's very important for other people to see your team. When you're in the very beginning stages, you can sit there and you can dream and you can build out an idea. Um, you want to make sure you have, you know, legal clauses or non-disclosures with that team in the very beginning. Cause that's when a lot, a lot of these ideas are coming out. And you might say, okay, this is good, but it's for version two, or this is good, but this is version three. Um, and you wouldn't want a competitor, right? So you wouldn't want your buddy to go out and, and compete with you. But it is very important um, to find the right people, not only for the ideas and somebody in marketing, and, but somebody that you can kind of go through the trenches with, because you're going to have your ups and downs, right? You're going to have your little fights about no, I want it to be this color or I want it to be that color. Uh, I, I want this name over that name. Does it matter? You know, in, in marketing and branding, you've seen some funny names out there. It doesn't matter. But everybody has to understand those pieces because somebody gets hooked on, oh, I want this name and he becomes angry. And uh, you can't progress forward with any of the development, anything, because they want a different name or they want a different color. Mm -hmm. That never happened with me or with us, but I've seen it wreck other small businesses where someone's just, you know, I want it this way and that's it. Mm -hmm. And it kind of ruins the, we're all walking at the same beat. We're all walking in the same direction. And somebody's like, I'm walking the other way. So teams are very important, but they do change because like, think of it now is I've come, I'm going from uh, building to now talking on, uh, podcasts and videos and tutorial videos about the product. So it changes a little bit over time and you, you're going to add new people in. And as long as everybody has an open mind to where we're going and, and change, I think things are pretty good, but, um, definitely go out, play and team build too, because those, those help. So it's not always work. A little escape room, a little ax throwing. Gotcha. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so last question, um, if I asked you, what's the best or biggest impact Tweeva can have on my business, what would you say? 
the biggest impact that you could have with the Tweeva network would be is becoming that number one community expert in in a town. If if you were talking podcasting, I, I immediately or podcasting or video casting for you, I would say, where else could you play clips of this podcast on any TV in any, any bar? You couldn't. That would make a huge impact. Um, I'm not necessarily a big sports person. I grew up very nerdy and <laughs> I just continued that route. My wife absolutely loves football. So she knows things that I don't know. And she talks about it with my father-in-law. Um, but if I'm at a bar or I'm somewhere else, my eyes are kind of looking around. Hey, what, what, what can I watch that would be interesting to me? And there are others like that. And I might hone on this interview and say, what are they talking about? And if it has closed captioning on the bottom, I might be watching that. And if there's a QR code that there is on Tweeva TVs, I'd probably scan that QR code if it was something about startups or business. And I'd say, okay, I'm going to go subscribe to that. Now that doesn't really exist right now today in the world. So Tweeva could have a huge impact on becoming that community expert, right? You now gained a new follower, me, who knows where I didn't search you. I didn't find you, but I found you through exposure of the small business TV network. And this works the same on any type of business. Um, like we talked about previously, if you're a contractor or if you are a, um, a chiropractor, you're still exposing those different business things to the world. Not, it's more like passive advertising where it's like a billboard, right? People are not specifically looking for you, but it's being uh, um, shown to you. Anyway. I don't say, yeah, it's it, they're seeing this anyway, so they're they're understanding what it is. Um, so a combination of those two things, I think, don't exist right now. Affordable advertising in the passive TV market and can definitely help any small business really explode in their marketing. Gotcha. I I personally um, just using the example of my podcast, I didn't think about that. You know, there's I do YouTube Shorts, I do posts and all different networks and little clips of different episodes, like we'll do for this episode. But mm -hmm. to think that a clip from my episode could be in a bar or a walking will not walking uh, billboard, but you know, like a stationary billboard in a mall or something like that, where yep. you know somebody's waiting to get their nails done in the salon or getting a haircut in a barbershop, and a 10, 20, 30 second clip of my podcast can show. That's not something marketing wise I've even thought about. Not I ten or twenty. We're talking talking minute or two or three. You know, we, we don't have sixty minutes of programming, so it's between short form and long form. It's a couple of minutes of clip that you're going to pick a highlight or something that you want to share, mm -hmm. and yeah. it's enough to gain the attention of. Okay, I saw the TV, and now I might might be talking to the barber, right? Or I saw the TV, and now I'm eating my pizza again. Mm -hmm. But when I come back, there's something different. Yeah, but it's also viewed as for that industry, something important for them. Gotcha. No, I definitely get that and understand. I, I personally, um, as this is the season finale of season four, I'm going to look to a lot of different changes as I do every season um, going into the next season. And one of those, I don't see why I couldn't be Tweeva. Just a thought. Absolutely. We'd love to have you. <laughs> I'll definitely look into it. I'll let you know. But <laughs> So that's the end of the Q&A, and now I'd like to move to my favorite segment my guests called First Thoughts. But first, speaking of advertising, First Thoughts is brought to you in part by SRA Solutions, simple solutions for complex problems. For over 15 years, SRA Solutions has provided today's solution to prevent tomorrow's problem. 
SRA Solutions will provide you effective, efficient, robust, and reliable business intelligence, application website design, and PC support services. For more information, visit their website at www.sresolutions.org. So Dave, the way, by the way, I love the name Dave just because it's Dave. But the way First Thoughts works is I provide a phrase or a word to my guests uh, without them knowledge, the knowledge of them or the knowledge they of them saying it before. The idea is First Thoughts. If you were privy to it, it wouldn't be an impulsive thing. Speaking of impulsive, um, for those of you listening or watching for the first time, like I always say, welcome, or I'm glad you're here, but shame that you didn't hear this before. The first First Thought, Dave, assuming you're ready, you are ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. Absolutely. First, first thought, as I try to do a softball one, uh, business funding. We kind of touched on it before business funding. What's your first thought? Business funding, uh, small business, uh, the SBA loans are a great way to start for a small business. Um, angel investors would be number two, where you're going to go out and find people that are give you five, 10, 25 to 50, um, and probably even a hundred thousand. And then your micro VC capital or venture capital VC capital are going to be the top, but they're the hardest to convert because they're looking for a hundred times uh, their investment back. Hmm. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, okay. it is. And it's hard to get in those. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next first thought, branding strategy mistakes. What's your first thought? Not checking your... Um, USPTO. Yeah, I, I would check your trademarks and copyrights at the United States Patent and Trademark Office. I would do your searches there. You can pay uh, a lawyer to do it. Um, I think there's a, a few out there. Pay a hundred bucks or pay three hundred bucks for a search, um, and then pay a, another hundred dollars for a trademark. Make sure that this brand that you're going to sit there and think about and talk with your family, and then take a shower and you're gonna be oh it's such a great brand make sure that it's not trademarked by somebody else because that always is a killer in the end um we spent several weeks trying to find tweeva and then the domain name and then all of the social medias that are out there make sure that mm. your name or brand has all of those things available so uh, trademark is not taken um domain you definitely want the domain sometimes you got to pay between a thousand and who knows? I mean, people ask like $100,000 for a domain and then make yeah, sure that you, most daddy. of your socials. Yeah, go, go daddy. Yeah. But no, I'm saying yeah. if you have to buy it. So if you have yeah. a short name, you know, you're gonna have to buy it from somebody who might be just sitting on it. So yeah. sometimes you got to change the name just a little bit. Save a few thousand dollars. Yeah. No, it's funny. Uh, I don't know if it was two seasons ago, I had a conversation, brief conversation with someone and we talked about do domain changes and how that's sort of a profitable business to just buy up things um, and sit on them. If you you know see an idea trending before anybody else, you just buy the domain if it exists and sit on it and you might make a thousand, two thousand, ten thousand off a domain based on its popularity. Um, it's a nice little small business side hustle, but yeah, yep, it go is. daddy. And they have that brokerage service, which you got to pay them for. So now you're paying yeah, the domain they do fee and then, yep. and then you're paying the brokerage fee. It's, it's, it's amazing how they've turned that into a cash cow. All right. Oh, Last yeah. first thought, um, AI benefits. What's your first thought? Ooh, you know, um, I love AI. So, um, yeah, there's, there's, I don't think we're at the point where it's taken over the world, you know, in the way that 
maybe grandpa thinks or, you know, the older generation thinks, oh, AI is horrible. It's really good for number crunching and text and, and audio and video. Not necessarily doing every job yet, but there's so many benefits to it. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll say it like this. Remember in the 90s when you had the NASDAQ move crazy? It was that technological spike that pushed the market to a new level because we were just getting our personal computers on our desk, compact, HP. Mm, and so it pushed the NASDAQ. Yeah, it pushed the NASDAQ just way, way, way high. And people like, oh my goodness, oh, this computer power will do everything. Well, we're at this point in history, magically, right after the COVID drop, that we need another push. So it's magically happening at a great time. And it's going to create those efficiencies that will allow larger profits for not only the small businesses, but larger businesses. So that said, you have to take that into account with whatever you're doing. Because if you're spending too much time in bookkeeping, you need that little AI module for it. Because you need to be out there selling. You need to be out there competing against the other guys. They're going to use it or they're already using it. We have to get off this, you know, I don't want to use it. We have to find those modules where we can and then use it and then keep focusing on how to compete or scale or grow. Um, very beneficial. We use AI in, in our product and we'll continue to push the envelope because we're competing against some big boys out there too. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, I, I've bubbled this up before. I've looked at, if you go back to when cookies first became a browser thing, cookies to me were like the little, for lack of a better term, crumbs for AI as Alexa somehow goes off in my office right now. But um, so pathetic, <laughs> poetic right there. <laughs> um, but cookies and browsers were the, the, the trails that AI ate up. You know, you go to a website and there's a, a advertisement for something you looked at two weeks ago and you're like, well, how is this showing up? Oh, it's on sale. Not thinking there's a cookie out there that's feeding some system or algorithm that says, hey, there's a sale that's $2 less than what they pay they were looking at two weeks ago. They might buy it because somebody paid for an advertising space. There you go. It's this mm -hmm. big circle of life with AI, lower level AI, not today's AI. But it's interesting that so many people are so quote unquote afraid of AI, you know, thinking Terminator AI, right? Yeah. Um, when we've been living in a lower level of it for decades now. Um, just absolutely. Just yeah. It's one of those key terms, just like the cloud. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing. It's like, we've had hosted data center data centers since the seventies and eighties. Um, I think when the NASDAQ came, you know, probably back then, or maybe right after that, okay, how do we push this to the general market and use a different name? Maybe they need to trademark something. They needed something to stick. And for other people that didn't understand, well, data centers, there's nothing new with that. Oh, this is the cloud. The cloud is so different. Now the cloud mm -hmm. could also be virtualization, but pieces of that already existed. So I think it's the same with AI, what you're saying is we have already been living in a lot of it, not necessarily the self-learning or the public access of it. Um, but it's time for that, that push of efficiency in all the levels of business. And it really is touching all the different levels of business. So I think it's a good thing and it will get us to the next level. The only problem is it makes me sound too smart. Hmm. That's, that's the problem with it. I, I yeah. got my bio. I took all the details in. 
I, I said, hey, family, I got to read you my bio. So I read it, you know, man of many talents. And my second year old said, dad, you're not a man of many talents. And, <laughs> and you shouldn't get all biblical on us. They're not talents. I said, okay, mm. I'm sorry. You know, the computer wrote this, you know. So it's funny that even the close people to you, they can tell that yeah. your language of speaking may not be the same as this AI. So you're either going to have to train it or you're going to have to bring it down a level where you're editing it enough that it sounds more like you. Because there will be at some point, if you think about it, there will be some Google way of saying, hey, look, all of this is user generated junk, just like they did with the spinning articles way back when. You remember the spinning articles you put yeah. there? And plagiarism yep. uh, checks for, for education. And plagiarism. Yep. So there may be a time when everybody's making a lot of money with it and then they'll just cut it in half and all the rankings will change again. That might not be today or tomorrow, but if that happens in five years, you want to make sure that you've been personalizing most of the content, most of the titles, most of the bullet points to a little bit of what you sound like, because they're going to say, well, this guy's got a hundred hours of video. Doesn't match, doesn't match his articles. So, you know, there's, there's never any free lunch, right? So we have to work for it. Uh, just make sure that you're not trying to get away for free. Yeah, no shortcuts. Yeah, no shortcuts. All right, Dave, that's all for First Thoughts. And with this season, uh, my girlfriend actually came up with this idea for TO First Thoughts, uh, which is turning over the power of First Thoughts to my guests in the form of my guests being able to ask me a First Thought. So Dave, for Dave, the last episode of season four, do you have a first thought for me? What's your first thought? Um, I would say the first thought, what do you think of the Tweeva network, the Tweeva idea? Um, you know, it's a fairly new concept, a fairly new idea. Um, what is your thought about it? I think um, the thing I like the most about it is it allows the smaller, less cash, positive cash flow reserve business to advertise their business to people who they may not necessarily target. So, you know, you might get the random person who needs a haircut, uh, just to use that example, they need a haircut today because they, their barber went on vacation. And so they went to a different barbershop and they just happened to see an advertisement, snap the QR code, and next thing you know, they're a customer. Um, and the ability, and I, I never, you know, doing all the research leading up to this episode, and we had a whole snafu yesterday. Um, I'm very honest with my, my audience, by the way. Um, <laughs> And so we were supposed to record yesterday, we're recording today, but um, I didn't think about all, you know, all the research I did before this recording that I could apply this necessarily to my podcast. Um, I've, you know, I do my own marketing. I'm very, you know, my old ecosystem is mainly me for all the marketing I do. Um, and, and I use AI, uh, speaking of AI, I use AI for email marketing. I use it for um, social media marketing. Now I do personalize because, you know, I get something that says, hey, that's a great idea. Let me change this 80% of it. Um, but it gives me the idea to kind of go with, oh, that messaging actually works well with what I was trying to go for. Mm -hmm. um, but to have the ability to say, you know, what I do for YouTube and what I do for Spotify and what I do for Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, all those things. But to take clips and have them go out to an audience that I'm not even targeting, not even thinking about for a very nominal fee is something that is very, very appealing to me. Very appealing. Yeah, that's, that's what we're trying to be that, that little piece in the world to help content creators, uh, because 
we have a hard time. We have we don't have a full production team, right? You're you are a production team, but you're using AI pieces and tools. But yeah. you're competing, let's say, against a TV network that has twenty people in a in a department. So those AI tools, you said something with uh, email marketing. Those are incredible for email marketing. I've seen ones yeah. that uh, you can send out or generate certain just a first line or a second line based upon the person's LinkedIn. And you can, you know, have that open rate a little bit higher because the subject line is referencing his LinkedIn. It's crazy, you know, and you wonder where is this ever going to end, you know, yeah. but yeah, it's, I, I think the world is a little bit different in the next five years, as far as the type of quality that we'll be seeing, mm -hmm. uh, because those, those AI, uh, did you see that? I don't know. What is it? An agent now? I think they called it with the new chat GPT. Did they release an agent? Oh no, I didn't see that. It was, it was something, I don't know if it's called an agent, but they're supposed to be, um, personalized bots based upon certain mm -hmm. categories. So okay. it might have the sports one or, uh, uh, an email one or a social media one. And it's kind of got blinders on to say, this is my job. This is what I should do. Um, and there's, they're talking about just that alone being very disruptive in the industry because there's so many startups saying, Hey, we're just going to use this for this piece and we'll put our brand name on it. And this is what we do. And now they're saying, yeah. okay, you can have this all for free. <laughs> so mm -hmm. um, yeah, free is the enemy of, of, of big business and, and, you know, the bigger cookie cutter things out there like TV marketing. I mean, free is the enemy mm -hmm. of that and low cost as well. Um, real yeah. quick story, my, and I talked about this, I think two episodes ago, my favorite experience with AI, um, my girlfriend changed jobs, uh, within the last month. Um, she spent a, a over a decade at, at one place and wanted to just get out of there, move to another place. Perfectly fine. And so she asked me about resignation letters. I have a long 20 plus year career so far. I have saved all my resignation letters. It's just something <laughs> I do. I'm a Capricorn. Um, and so she looked at a couple of them. She's like, eh, listen, you're, you're very positive. You're very jovial. You know, I'll see you guys in the next life, all that stuff. She said, I want something <laughs> a little different. And so we used AI, this email generator. And so you basically give it a one liner, two liner. But the thing I hadn't seen before is you can select a tone. And so naturally mm -hmm. the evil sadistic person that I am, I selected sarcastic. And so... <laughs> What was comical uh, was the email it generated was basically like, this is the worst job ever. I've been dying inside every single day. I, I can't wait until you wake up and realize how much you miss me. And that wasn't unattractive to her in the way she felt about that position. And so she did customize it and change it um, uh, somewhat. <laughs> but um, that was probably the most it. enjoyable or, or comical experience with AI because you don't think about, you think about AI as very rigid, very uh, walking a line of, you ask it to do this, it does that, but you don't realize that there's so much more involved in AI where you can actually ask something to be comical, ask it to be sarcastic, ask it to be serious, yes. or professional. There's so many different things it can do. And so circling back to, um, and I'm sorry, I just blanked, uh, Tweeva, circling back to Tweeva, using AI to, I think the biggest thing for me is targeting audiences I don't think about or I've never thought mm -hmm. of or that could be an audience that could expand my brand or expand my podcast. And I would have been able to take advantage of that if I only had thought of it. And so mm -hmm. being able to say, you know, Hey, I'm going to put this out there for this cause, these thousand impressions or whatever the, 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 
verbiages and it to hit, you know, 400 times to an audience I didn't even conceive mm -hmm. adds to the possibilities. And I love that part. Yeah, that's that's exactly what we looked at the content creators and, and influencers, right? You're an influencer. Um, there are people that just live in the influencing world of selling other people's products. Again, yeah, if you search mm -hmm. for them, but I wouldn't know if there's an influencer sitting right next to me unless I followed them. They could have 500,000 followers. I wouldn't know if I'm sit drinking coffee next to them. Now, if I saw them on a TV, I might say, hey, can I shake your hand? Can, can we talk? Can we collaborate on something? But that tool doesn't exist. Hopefully we can be that uh, tool for everyone so we can help you know, people connect. Really after COVID, mm -hmm. we're reconnecting still. And this, I think yeah. generation takes sharing to a new level. I mean, think about 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. Hey, uh, mom, dad, you wanna share a, 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 I'm gonna sell or rent one room in your house or I'm gonna rent your car. You know, I'm gonna rent your Tesla for a, a day or two. Would have never happened. We live in a different yeah. world. We're going to a different world and um, it's gonna be a more connected, a more sharing kind of uh, um, place in 10 years. So I'm excited about it. Yeah. And I think the AI yeah. piece will be playing in there too. Yeah, I hope I'm not sharing propaganda, but I saw something on Instagram. I, I, it was either yesterday or today where Canadians prices are increasing and they're actually putting out there sharing their beds as opposed to sharing a room. I don't know if it's, it was some type of scam or propaganda or what, but I, and I have no idea. This is not coming from me. I'm not owning this at all. But when I saw that, I said, you know, it, it's possible. I mean, it, it's that's the thing about the Internet. You can say something that's yep. not totally impossible and make it believable um, because it so would not we surprise make like an app to share. So could we make an app to share like a gallon of milk or something? Yeah. I mean, why not? I'll buy a gallon I hope of milk we don't get and to we'll the meet bad... and I'll pour half. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hope we don't get to an economy that's so bad. They're like, okay, you got the half a gallon of milk over there. Split yeah. the can of peas. I did see one for tool rental. I thought it was kind of neat because, you know, once in a while the neighbors will come over. Hey, you got, uh, you know, right angle drill or, uh, you know, a Sawzall or something. I'm like, yeah, I got one over here. And I asked mm -hmm. them, hey, do you have a power washer? And so this one was integrating time lengths or something with your neighbors and knowing where the tools were. I said, eh, it's kind of cool. Yeah. I don't know if I'd use it, but you know, I like the idea. Yeah, I have a whole garage full of tools that I can rent out today <laughs> for cheaper yeah, than think Home about Depot. How, yeah. how many people to have like a drill? You know, there's gotta be hundreds of millions of drills. Yeah. So. Yeah. Funny. We've, we've come up with like five ideas in the last two minutes, Dave. Hey, you got to check the trademarks on those. Yeah, absolutely. Trademarks, patents, you know, domains, whoever's, do, whoever's listening, you got to make sure that you have a good domain, good business. Start writing those press releases, those emails, marketing emails. Got a whole tool set sister, in this episode. Yeah. And for my sister, all 3000 of your ideas, just, just start researching. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Dave. <laughs> I do want to thank you for uh, stepping in Dave's head. And as I always do with my guests, before I let you go, I'd like to offer you the opportunity. If you want to talk about anything or promote anything, feel free to do so now. Yeah, so I uh, always love to talk to those small business owners and the content creators. So if you are a small business, we'd love to send you a Tweeba TV box. If you have like foot traffic, you're a restaurant or a doctor's office or something, uh, jump on our website or send us an email. Uh, I'll, I'll send out maybe 
two or three to your listeners for free. Um, and then if you are a content creator, we'd love to have you too, because those small businesses need help. You know, I can hold the camera, but content creators do it better. They just know how to set the lighting and stuff. Uh, but if you want to talk to me or contact me, I'm at Dave at Tweeva.com is my email, or just go to Tweeva.com or hit up, hit us up on any of the social medias. Um, I'd love to chat with you, talk with you. Um, if you need any help with anything that we talked about, I'm, I'm limited on time, but I'll do my best to respond. Cool. Thank you, Dave. And last question, because actually something just popped in my head. Do you do affiliate programs or anything like that? If somebody, you know, pushes sales your way or anything like that? Working on it. I've, okay. I've had several requests working on it because I love the idea of connecting people and affiliate will really help people stay connected. All right. So check out Tweeva and, you know, when the, when the affiliate program drops, jump on board. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you for stepping in Dave's head. Dave, I keep forgetting. We have the same name. Thank you for stepping <laughs> in Dave's head. Have a great holiday. Happy New Year to you and great luck with the company. Thanks for having me. And it was a great time. Enjoy your holidays too. And I hope all your listeners have a safe uh, Thanksgiving and holidays. My absolute favorite segment of my podcast is my grin, which stands for great reason to be in love with now. It's the last episode of 2023, season four for Dave's Head, which means it's the holiday family friends gathering season. Whether family or friends or some combination of the two, you want to have a good old family fun time. Classiccleaners.com has an article entitled 10 Great Games to Play at Your Holiday Gathering. Now, I've looked at these 10. I feel that you can apply these to big or small gatherings. Or if you're just with your significant other, you can take some of these games and play them as well. And I'll go through all 10 and I'll tell you my favorite as well. The first one is Ornament Guess. Guests get to guess. Say that three times fast. Guests get to guess the total number of ornaments you have on a tree. Now, I'm also going to tell you how I would twist the games up a little bit. And so you're supposed to just get a little prize or points for the person that comes the closest. I'm guessing price is right rules closest without going over. Here's how I twist it up. The person who guessed the closest without going over and the person who's farthest away. If this is a like family friendly gathering type of thing, both have to do a shot or take a drink, whatever. If someone actually guesses it correctly, like spot on, probably won't happen, but say spot on, maybe they win a prize of like $20 or something like that, or some gift that you have, a giveaway gift for the door prize, if you will. Or you can make it the person who gets the closest without going over gets that door prize gift as well. So that's how I would change it up. The person who's closest without going over, door prize, person who's farthest away or farthest over, then they get to take a drink. Second one, not sure how I feel about this one. We're going to talk through it though. Two truths and a lie. First of all, I don't want to play a game at a holiday party or gathering with friends or significant other that's called two truths and a lie. Don't want to do it. Here's their twist on it. You haven't benefited it out. Each guest gives two truths and a lie around their worst Christmas gifts. Here's why I don't like it. What if one or more of your worst gifts that are actually true worst gifts was given to you by a family member 
friend or significant other that's present <laughs> at that party. Unless it's a joke, gag gift, you know, something you've talked about that, okay, this was a bad gift, babe. Or, bruh, come on, what was this? But if they don't know that this was one of your worst three gifts or two gifts, it might be a little awkward. Here's how I put a twist on it. I actually would keep this, though. If you want to play it, you want to take the risk, go right ahead. But everyone who's in the party or friends or family or if it's a significant other, you, do, you two got to be honest about it. Whoever has the most people who guess one of their lie gifts as a worse, they win a door prize. The person who the group decides had the actual worst true bad gift gets a prize. And the person who people just saw through like, nah, we all know what your lie is. The most, they got to take a drink. Boom. All right, third one. Don't say a word. It's kind of comical. I've actually done this before for a regular party, not around Christmas, um, in a form of if you touch this cup. <laughs> so I had a bunch of red cups. I had one blue cup. Anybody who touched a blue cup had to do a shot. Be surprised how many people go for the eyeball cup. A lot of people did shots that night. But so don't say a word. You could do something like drink or drank or drunk. Somebody says those, those words. They have to lose a necklace. Now, so you might do like ornament necklaces. You know, you get some really cheap ornaments from dollar store or something like that. Put them on a string. Everybody gets one when they walk in. If you're caught saying a word, you got to give your necklace up. If you have, say, five necklaces because you didn't collect them from friends and family that are there that, that night, then you get all five of their necklaces. At the end of a certain period of time, the person with the most necklaces wins a door prize. Obviously, you can tell what my spin on this would be. Instead of doing necklaces, you take a shot. Just saying. All right, next one, guess the gift. Each person brings a wrapped $10 gift. Everyone picks a random gift, you can figure out how to do that, and guesses who brought that gift. Now, if you guess the person correctly, you get to keep the gift, and then I don't know, understand the rules if you don't guess correctly, but you kind of picked the gift already, but um, here's how I put a twist on it. I wouldn't. Not really sure about this game. Not big fan of it. Um, I kind of hearken it to like the old work Pollyannas or whatever we used to call them back in the day where um, you pick a gift and you keep it and then somebody else picks a gift. But if they want yours, they can take yours. And now you're stuck with some Rubik's Cube because nobody wanted that. That type of thing. So probably wouldn't do that one at all. Next one. Name the carol. Make a list of lyrics. Three to four word lyrics. The person who guesses the most in the most amount of time or whatever time period you give, say five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever, the person who guesses the most lyrics wins a prize. How would I put a spin on it? Of course, the person who sucks the most at it, which would probably be somebody like me. Well, actually, no, I, like, I know a lot of Christmas songs. But the person who performs the worst on this has to do a drink. All right, here's where I probably would suffer. Christmas memory game. Mm, hate you people that can remember stuff but put christmas items on a tray bunch of different things open them up or reveal them for one minute 60 seconds for everyone to look at put the tray back or cover it back up and people at your party write down all the ornaments or christmas related things that they remember from the tray the person that guesses the most wins a prize obviously the spin here the person like me that sucks the most with the memory short-term memory thing um, they got to do a shot or something. 
Now, this one's kind of cool. And I actually think it's kind of cool for if you have like a family gathering with children and all that stuff. Secret snowman. So make a snowman. You can do a cardboard one or you can grab, you know, print out a piece of paper or print out a piece of paper that says snowman. Or any type of thing related to Christmas that you can apply with double-sided tape or whatever to someone's back. The idea is you stick this on someone's back. When they realize that it's on their back, they have to take it off and secretly or hopefully put it on someone else's back without them realizing. So, how it's kind of just like one of those fun laughing games. Because especially if you have children, they'll probably just get a bunch of kicks out of this and laugh every time it gets on somebody's back and ruin the whole surprise. But... It's a nice little entertainment game for kids. How would I put a spin on it? If you're caught putting the snowman on someone's back, you got to do a shot. Boom. There you go. All right. Next one. A present scramble. This is torture, but it's fun. Bear with me. Put a small prize in a box. Say $20 bill, $50 bill, $100 bill, whatever. Put that box in another box. And that box in another box. And each time you're wrapping these like presents, individual presents. So you're wrapping a small box, put another box. And you're wrapping that box, put another box. And keep going until you just run out of bigger boxes to put it in. People in your party take turns rolling the dice. Could be one die, could be dice, whatever. Based on a number. So maybe you take two dice. Somebody rolls one to set the number. The first person that gets it going around gets to open the box to find another box inside. That's why I call it torture. The person who gets the die roll and gets to the smallest box opens it up and there's no more boxes inside except the prize gets to keep the box. Cool. Cool. So I got two ways I would flip this this game. The first is you could have your guests do a shot every time they don't roll the number that they're supposed to roll. That could get pretty bad pretty fast. Could also be kind of fun to see Tipsy people try to open up wrapping and find a box inside and know that it's not their prize. Eh, might suck too. The other way you can do this is you could have people guess whether it's the final prize. So say you win, you know, your roll is supposed to get three, you get three. You can try to shake the box up and figure out what's inside if you want to and have them guess whether or not they are the one who's going to get the actual prize. If they're wrong, which they will be except the last person, they have to do a shot. All right, next to last one, Christmas categories. Interesting one. So what you do, someone shouts out a category. Maybe you have teams of three, and each team, they take turns announcing a category. It could be all related to Christmas. Say Christmas movies. I would put Die Hard, just so you know. But put Christmas movies. The way this works is you have three minutes to list as many things in that category as possible. Where you earn points is if you list something unique that no other team has listed, which is why I would get diehard almost every time. So, for instance, pure example, Christmas movies. I say diehard. That team says uh, Miracle on Ice. That team says Miracle 34th Street. That team says Home Alone, right? But that team also said Home Alone. That team also said... Miracle on 34th Street, nobody said Die Hard, I get a point. Or my team gets a point. First team to get to say 10 points wins. How would I change it up? Clearly, the team that comes in last, that team has to do shots. Boom. Last game that you can do with friends or family. 
what's in the stocking? This could get interesting depending on the crowd, right? So you put an item in the stocking, you pass it around. Everyone takes a guess what's in the stocking. Now, the website didn't really list like a prize or anything like that. Maybe you keep the item if you can accurately pick what's in the stocking. Um, how I would change this up. Depending on the crowd, maybe you make it more adult inspired, right? Or maybe you go get those little bottles from the liquor store and you, you put a Jack in there or you put a vodka, Grey Goose in there or whatever. Maybe you do something like that. Now, the elephant in the room, maybe you make it sort of a sexual thing where you have adult type of things in the stocking stuffer. And, you know, people kind of guess, is that a, you know, all in good fun. So check out ClassicCleaners.com. Look for the article, 10 Great Games to Play at Your Holiday Gathering. Pick one or more. Have a great time with your family, your friends, significant other. Maybe one of those you can do by yourself too. Kind of weird, but maybe by yourself. I want to thank Dave Van Beekham for stepping into Dave's head and dropping some gems about starting businesses, entrepreneurship, and telling his story. Check out his website at www.tweva.com. T-W-E-V-A.com. You can find him on Facebook as well. Facebook.com forward slash David.VanBeekham. Support our sponsors. Digger Movers for all your safe, swift moving needs. Local and long distance insured moving company. Check them out at www.DiggerMovers.com. And SRE Solutions for all your PC support, website design, application, development, and so much more needs. Check them out at www.sresolutions.org. And if you're interested in sponsoring on Dave's Head in 2024, Season 5, reach out to me on any of my social media and we can make it happen. So paying it forward, startups and family fun. For the last time in 2023, in the last episode of season four, they are all great reasons to be in love with now. Have yourself an amazing holiday season and new year. Take care. That's all for this episode of Dave's Head. New episodes release on the second and fourth Friday of the month. For all things Dave's Head, check out our website at daveshead.card2rs.co. Subscribe to watch new episodes on YouTube or Spotify video, or to listen via your preferred podcast player, go to anchor.fm forward slash Dave's Head Pod. Thank you for watching or listening. As always, enjoy life, because life should be fun. Take care.